The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish, Davis Maddock here on Fantasy Sports Today. Great to be with you here on the program. We got you until 2 o'clock on the East. Lots of fantasy sports talk today, recapping, of course, a very compelling NBA Finals, which is now 2-1. to one. We had the Euro Cup Final yesterday. And, Davis, it looks like, for the most part, we are kind of entering a different week here in sports. I know that there is no baseball this week. The NBA is coming to an end. But that doesn't mean we don't have home run derby tonight. So we'll break that down as well. Hope you had a good weekend. I, yeah, I did have a good weekend. Uh, watched the entirety of the Copa America final on Saturday, the entirety of the European Championship on Sunday. Enjoyed the last little bit of baseball that we had on on Sunday as well. But you know, and I know, Craig, that uh, a lot of a lot of America's attention today it's it's of course shifting to the NBA Finals, but fantasy football draft season really is uh, about to be upon us. I, that's kind of always what I felt is that the, the national attention starts to shift towards training camp and, and all of those stories after the MLB All-Star break. Yeah, and here we are with Home Run Derby tonight, All-Star game tomorrow. We had the first round of the Major League Baseball draft as well, so we'll recap it all for you here on the show. And, of course, as Davis mentioned, lots of fantasy football discussion every day for us in the second hour of our show. So let's get to our headlines here as we begin on the 12th of July, 2021. And uh, very interestingly enough, the Milwaukee Bucks look like they are right back in this series, uh, no doubt, they looked really good yesterday. Giannis is breaking all kinds of records for scoring 40 points in playoff games. And right now, Giannis looks like a force, an unstoppable force, as they defend home court 122-100. Henry Davis, a little bit of a surprise in the draft yesterday, goes number one overall. Jack Leiter, of course, very, very important player in the draft as well, going a really exciting, I think, first round yesterday, no doubt. In Wimbledon, Novak Djokovic ties Federer, Nadal, most major wins. Joker with another impressive weekend in Wimbledon. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Italy wins the Euro Cup yesterday, Davis. I wonder your thoughts on that. I know that I was watching it. I watched all the way through the first extra time and the second extra time, and then I watched in the penalty kicks as well. And it looked like there was a lot of surprise on the pitch yesterday, that's for sure. I mean, the the England manager is uh, is just an idiot. Like, let's just uh, let's just call it what it is. He, uh, you know, chose not to use a lot of his best players, Jack Grealish, Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford. Those guys have basically been left on the bench for the entire tournament. He went with a very offensive setup. England scores in the second minute, and then basically for the next 88 minutes, desperately tries to hold on. They give up a scramble goal. But the the part that I found 
weirdest and most distasteful was that two of the three guys he sent to take penalties at the end, right? You you know, the ref comes over and says, okay, who's taking your penalties? Two of those guys, Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford, had just subbed in. Right? They, they had literally just subbed in. They had not got a touch of the ball. I, I'm just thinking, like, both as a great athlete and as a normal person, how would you like having the fate of your entire team's tournament resting on you, basically having not have played a competitive game of soccer for the last two months? Because that was the situation that those guys had been in. They they had not been playing competitively for England. They'd been on the bench. Not really that surprising to me that you come in and shank it because you're you're all nerves. There's no instinct there. You're just you're you're too in your head about the moment. So I, I really did not like the way that England's manager set them up in that game. I know you've been complaining about him for a while. We'll see what England decides to do after falling in the title game. No doubt about that. But a bigger story yesterday here in the States, of course, although a lot of people were focused in on soccer, has been a performance of Giannis, who essentially is doing things that Michael Jordan has done in the past and uh, was was asked if he should be compared to Jordan at this point of what he's done in the in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not Michael Jordan. Uh... Four forty points in a straight two, two. four in a row. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, uh, no, I'm not Michael Jordan. Uh, but you know, all I care about right now it's getting one more. That's all. You know, just uh, take care of business, doing our job. Davis, at this point. Uh, Giannis is playing like the most dominant player in the NBA. It may have taken a few years. But if he plays like this, it does change the dynamic of the series, that's for sure. It definitely changes the dynamic because he is they the the Suns just don't have a good way to stop him on defense. Like they just they don't have uh, a guy to throw at him the way, you know, the Nets had Kevin Durant and and Jeff Green that they could throw at him who are like kind of the same size, could make him shoot a lot of jumpers. The Suns don't really have someone to make Giannis shoot jumpers, which is of course, you know, what he is weakest at. Giannis is is not a great jump shooter. 40, 40 points in back-to-back games. You know, that, I think it just goes to show how effective he's been on offense. And if Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton can just keep it together, right, just keep it together, just play to your baselines, guys. I do think, one, I think we get, are going to get a seven-game series almost regardless, but I do, I still think the Bucks can win this one. Yeah, and I do too. I mean, and look, uh, if the Bucks win the next one, you got a three-game series, Phoenix, of course, with the home court, but beyond that, uh, definitely anything can happen in a Game 7 situation for sure. All right, so we'll recap the game last night in the NBA. A little bit later in the show, we'll give you a preview of tonight's home run derby. FanDuel definitely has odds up tonight if you're interested in betting that. And some fantasy football discussion as well. So stay with us. We're off and running here on this Monday here on SportsGrid, sportsgrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today, Craig Mish along with Davis Maddox. Two hours every day, noon to 2 Eastern. And we're back with more in just two minutes. So stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
We'll have to wait another day to see if the Bucks can maintain in this NBA final series against the Phoenix Suns. But if yesterday is any indication, it looks like they will. Uh, totally home court working in the favor of Milwaukee. A lot of guys talking about that yesterday. It was a tough, really tough game for Devin Booker, who only shot three for 14 from the field. But the story in this one, no doubt, was Giannis. So we'll see if he can continue it as we take a look at tomorrow's game. Over on FanDuel, Milwaukee is minus four against the spread. You can get plus four on Phoenix if you think they can cover. The total is 221. And, of course, now with Phoenix leading the series two games to one, things have completely shifted. We're guaranteed at least five games in this series and probably six or seven, as Davis mentioned earlier. I think that's definitely possible. Uh, the head coach of the Bucks uh, last night after the game, Mike Budenholder, was asked about the performance of Giannis and just how tough they are to beat when he's going like he is. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, when we're at his, when we're at our best, when Giannis is at his best, um, it's a little bit of both. Uh, he's a great playmaker. He's a great passer. Um, you know, he's a great screener. Um, he does so many things. And I think when he's conscious of, you know, of, of doing a little bit of everything, um, you know, he's very capable and that's when he's at his best. And then on the flip side, there's no doubt at this point, the Phoenix Suns are feeling a little bit slighted in that game last night. Uh, Milwaukee clearly went to the foul line a lot more. DeAndre Ayton uh, was in foul trouble pretty much throughout the game. And Monty Williams didn't want to go in on the referees yesterday, but certainly pointed out the disparity. That's going to happen. Um, I'm not going to get into the complaining publicly about fouls. Uh, just not going to do that. But you can look, you know, we had 16 free throws tonight. One person had 17. So, you know, DA is, we got to learn from that. We got to beat guys to the spot and uh, <clears throat> he'll grow from this. Uh, I, I promise you he will. And I think that that's a big part, Davis, of this moving forward too. And something that we really hadn't considered is that keeping DeAndre Ayton in the game is going to be crucial for Phoenix, but it doesn't look like Monty Williams liked the way that things went yesterday on the ref side. Yeah, he's wrong, though, and everyone who complained about this is wrong, and I, I need to make it very clear that this was not a referee-driven thing. You know who is a, a player who is historically good at drawing fouls because he's seven foot three and probably the strongest player in the NBA? Giannis. Like, Gian, like, imagine your job as an NBA defender is to stop Giannis from getting a shot up. I, I literally think the only way you know, sometimes that someone like Jay Crowder or Mikhail Bridges could keep Giannis from physically getting a shot off is to foul him. Just sometimes he is so strong and so skilled and so agile, there's nothing you can do. If you look at regular season free throw rate, Giannis is, I mean, he's not quite Shaq in his prime where they have to like change the rules of the game to legislate him, but he is I mean, of all players in the NBA today, he he and James Harden are like the absolute best at drawing free throws. And, and you know, if the Nets were in the finals right now against the Suns, we'd be hearing these same complaints about, oh, you know, Harden getting all these fouls. Well, like, that's what he does. Harden does it in a different way. But I, I think that it would do better for Monty Williams and the Suns to look internally. I don't think going to the locker room and complaining about how many fouls Giannis has drawn is going to suit them very well. I think their plan either needs to be to have DeAndre Ayton really drop off of Giannis when he gets down in the post and just say, 
look, if you want to shoot from eight feet, shoot from eight feet. Because, you, I mean, from eight to 18 feet, you're pretty good with Giannis doing whatever there. Like, let him shoot 10-footers. He's not particularly good at them. Where he is really difficult is, like, he's one of the best shooters around the rim in NBA history. So, so don't foul him and just drop off him a little bit. Like, this this one is on both Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton, I feel like. Okay. Well, interesting analysis there for sure. The NBA Finals odds have shifted significantly after yesterday with Chris Paul still being a pretty massive favorite. But now, Davis, the plus money on Giannis is creeping down to about even, and I would assume that will continue. Devin Booker checks in at 16-1. to He's pushed back a little bit, and then DeAndre Ayton, you know, certainly is not going to win the MVP, I don't think, of, of the Finals, but you can get some pretty good long-shot odds there. So it does appear that we're down to three, Davis, because with a maximum of four games left, that's really the important point here. How much can shift in an NBA final series as far as the player is concerned? We don't think it's going to be Holiday. Middleton is nowhere on the board at this point. So it, it could be a two-man race, although, look, Booker is only, what, a couple of 50-point performances away from being right back in this thing. But it does feel like it's one of the first three that we're looking at here. Yeah, I mean, at these current odds, minus 260 for CP3, minus 220 for Giannis. I mean, I I just don't think I would bet either one of those. Uh, Though, I do know that the FanDuel Sportsbook of all the legal available sportsbooks actually allows more parlays. So, like, I I think that um, sometimes they do things like allow you to parlay Giannis winning finals MVP with the Bucks winning or Giannis winning and the Bucks winning in seven games if you wanted to even juice it a little bit more that way like sometimes they will let you parlay dependent outcomes but I would not bet Giannis at plus 220 or Chris Paul at minus 280 remember when we talked about this on Friday before we got out of here Giannis was five to one he was plus 500 uh, I, I you know I think that probably would have been the the time to bet it because I would imagine Every game that this series goes on, the Chris Paul number will get a little bit shorter and the Giannis number will get a little bit closer to even money. If you were going to bet one right now, it's clearly got to be Devin Booker because Devin Booker could basically flip the entire script of the series tomorrow or on Wednesday when they play. I mean, he could come out, he could hit 10 three-pointers, score 50 real points, you know, just have an absurd game. Whereas, you know, I I don't think Aiton is going to do that. Aiton is going to be, you know, 18 points and 11 rebounds a game, and that's not going to be enough to get to get MVP done. I guess, you know, if I, I if we were going to say that about Booker, you could also say the same thing for Middleton. If Middleton has like 45 real points in game four or something like that and then hits the game winner in game seven, because, you know, another thing to remember is uh, these are these are, Awards are voted on by people who are at the games. So that leaves you things with like, remember when Andre Iguodala won finals MVP Mm, and it's like, did Iguodala really need to win finals MVP? Wasn't, wasn't Mm. Curry probably really the finals MVP, but you you're in the building, you're emotional, you're responding to what you just saw happen in front of your face. So, you know, taking a stab on Middleton, something like that, you know, I don't think it is the most preposterous thing, but if I was going to bet one of these on the board right now, it would be Devin Booker. All right, so let's close it out with the series odds, which have also shifted because now the Bucks, certainly after being down 0-2, you're not getting the value. I mean, the value was there before last night. Now you're creeping in on uh, even money if they win the next game, but they're 5-1 to one if they win the series in six. That seems unrealistic. 
Bucks in seven is plus 460. That feels better than that. Suns, uh, if they win the next game, you'll never get plus 280. So this is the last time bad if you feel the Suns are winning in five. Suns in six plus 320. And then look, Davis, I mean, you could still get plus money, plus 240 if the Suns win in seven. And I got to be honest, that looks like the most probable outcome at this point, and that's what the odds reflect. Yeah, I would, uh, I just, I think this is, we're in for a dogfight. I mean, like, if I am just being really realistic, I don't think either one of these teams is significantly better than the other. I think the Bucks pose real problems for the Suns. I think the Suns pose a real problem for the Bucks. I don't think that either Mike Budenholzer or Monty Williams are, like, the best head coaches of all time and going to come up with some amazing change to the starting lineup or some change in defense or offensive game plan that'll tilt the series on its head. And so I think betting betting the series to go seven games is probably what I would do. Yeah, and I think so too. And and look, Suns have the home court, but if it's Bucks, it's plus 460. Really interesting as we go along here. Some hedging probably able to happen as well. All right, no Major League Baseball tonight. They have the night off, but the home run derby is this evening. And, of course, on FanDuel, you can bet that as well. So coming up next, we'll talk about the matchups. Davis will talk about some of his favorite bets. And then we're going to go into the individual matchups tonight as it pertains to the FanDuel Sportsbook. So stay tuned for that. Also, fantasy football discussion to come. And stay with us here on SportsGrid because Davis and I will be back in just two minutes right here on this Monday. So hope you had a good weekend. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. here on fourth grid it is the first day since april where we have no live games tonight in baseball davis but that doesn't mean we can't have a little fun of course it is the home run derby i i think what's interesting for me davis as i think about it with us doing this show is that i don't know how many years i, I would say maybe five years ago we weren't even it was just a discussion it was not a betting discussion it was just a discussion who's gonna win who do you like and now all of a sudden it's completely changed like this feels like a pretty significant betting event tonight as well well you know i think that uh it's a result of a couple of things you know one is we are we are just more comfortable betting on anything as like a culture like fantasy sports today what we are trying to do here at sports grid what the average person who likes to wager on sports whether it be through fantasy sports or betting everyone's just more comfortable betting you bet before you watch an event you bet on player props like you just are more comfortable betting in general like five years ago you know this very well craig 
sports betting was like the kibosh. You were not supposed to mention it. You weren't, you definitely were not breaking down the odds. You definitely, when you were talking, even when you would talk about the home run derby, it's not like you'd be pulling up the odds from our friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook. You'd be like, oh, you know, I think that Otani will do okay. I think Gala will do okay, but it wouldn't be like, oh, I think Gala will do okay, but this price is a little rich. Like, we, it's just we just have really transformed the the entire community of sports has transformed into how we view the games and sports betting has really become a massive part of it. Yeah, it, it, it's fascinating for me. I remember doing shows for. I mean, I've been to home run derby before many times. Never even considered who would win from a betting perspective. It was always like, who are you picking? And picking is sort of empty. And betting is, as you mentioned, the word a good word is rich. So that's kind of. The hope is you can get rich off this tonight, but we're going to do the odds coming up in about 10 minutes, but let's just look just from a fun perspective to begin. And tonight, Otani's going to open up as the overwhelming favorite, and he's still plus money, but he's taken on Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. We have Salvador Perez against Pete Alonso. These are the first-round matchups. Joey Gallo against Trevor Story. Of course, he's the hometown guy. And then Matt Olson against Trey Mancini, who Davis, it's it's either you're rooting for Otani or you're rooting for Mancini tonight. And for obviously very different reasons, Otani, because he's the story of baseball this year, and Mancini, who came back from cancer last year and is back playing very well with the Orioles this year. So I would imagine there's going to be a lot of emotion there tonight for sure. And then, of course, the home crowd's going to be rooting regardless for Trevor Story. So some really good, I think, narratives to play here. But Otani, Story, and Mancini all going to be rooted for for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, they set these matchups about as interestingly as they could. Uh, We were thinking about Juan Soto as a potential face of baseball last season. I I think that you wouldn't even have to go that far to say that Juan Soto has been disappointing this season relative to what we have expected from him. You know, he he has uh, he's got a decent weighted on base average, but eleven home runs and five stolen bases at the All Star break not what you would have wanted out of Juan Soto. On the other hand, you have Shohei Otani, who is, uh, I, I think, I, I, I wonder your opinion on this, Craig. If we were just to go walk down the street of, uh, of like a mall or something, or we walked into a restaurant or something, and we just started to ask people, who is the best or most famous baseball player right now? Either question, doesn't matter. How many people would say Trout? How many people would say Otani? How many people would say Vlad? Or how many people would just say whatever is the best player on their team. Like you ask in St. Louis and someone might say, I mean, some people here probably say like Matt Carpenter or something, but like, I, I wonder what answer you would get to that question. And I, I do think the cultural conversation for baseball has shifted to Otani is the most famous baseball player now. Yeah. I don't think he's there yet. I think he's having the best season and the most popular season. I still think people would, would say trout, even though he's not the most popular among the major sports, I still think I, I finally do think the awareness of him is there. It's just that this season has really derailed him. He hasn't played in a couple of months. But uh, Tatis, I think, is also in that conversation too. Very, very popular now. All of a sudden, uh, but you're right. I mean, Otani is going to end up, I think, the most popular player. But I, I don't know that the full awareness is even there. Still, even with him, it's just this West Coast thing that that you have a hard time with. And plus, they play on the other West Coast team with the Angels. But uh, Davis, let's let's go through tonight. Uh, man, there's so many really good options, including the longest home run hit by Otani. So I want to go through this. Also, keeping in mind that there is no 
humidor for these baseballs today for the first time at Coors in I don't know how long. So what do you like tonight that you see on FanDuel? So I think there are a lot of good numbers out there. I mean, I, I will say I bet two of these. I bet Otani plus 260, and I bet the longest home run over uh, 519 and a half feet. So the, the over on the home run is about a couple things. The first is that Story and Gallo uh, and Otani are like, Gallo specifically is the moonshot guy. So if Gallo really connects with one, I think he could hit one over 519 feet at sea level, right? Like I think if they were doing this at O.co or whatever, he could hit one that far. But you mentioned lack of a humidor and also Coors Field. Uh, I believe the reporting was the last time that there was one at Coors Field, one went 503 feet. I think that uh, obviously there's a difference in the baseballs. Another question, and I think that if you did some digging, Craig, if you went and texted some of your sources, I think you could get an answer for, for us on this. What baseballs are they using? Are they using the 2019 Super Happy Fun Ball baseballs? Are they using the baseballs from this season? Like, uh, like what, what are they doing to these baseballs? Do they want them to be headed out of the stadium? Because I, I think they do. I think that baseball... Oh, yeah views this home run derby as a chance to really capture the national imagination. Like if, if we get an Otani versus Gallo final or whatever, and balls are just sailing out left and right, someone hits one 530 feet or whatever. Like I, I think that baseball is really incentivized to make this an extremely fun home run derby. Yeah, it is. And it, and it has in so many ways become far more interesting than the all-star game which has been a hot topic, Davis, over the weekend. I don't know that if, if you paid attention or know this, but they had a massive exodus of players involved in the game to the point where it got crazy. Like, you had Buster Posey. I don't know if you saw this, David. They had Buster Posey pull out of the All-Star game, and they named Yadier Molina to the All-Star game. And then within an hour of naming Molina, Molina pulled out of the All-Star game, and then they put uh, Brewers catcher Omar Nevaez. All the Astros players are not going to be involved in this. And then, of course, you had that terrible injury this weekend with Ronald Acuna Jr. I saw that one. That was horrible to see. But, like, who is really interested in watching that game on Tuesday? Like, no disrespect to the game, but it is all about tonight. And, and I mean, I, I guess the only compelling part about Tuesday is having Otani do what they're talking about him doing, which is pitching and hitting in the game. But beyond that, we literally had almost 40% of the guys that were named drop out. Yeah, and uh, I started out like kind of being bummed out about that, but I, I don't really care. I do think your your point is great, though. The All-Star game itself really is going to lack a lot of the star power that we come to expect from it. Like, you know, the... I, <laughs> Remember when they made the All Star Game count for home field advantage? I mean, that yeah, was that was one of the one of the worst thought out ideas in in baseball history. Baseball just a lot of weird ideas throughout the history of baseball. It seems like they have the hardest time legislating their sport of uh, of any major sport. Though I guess Gary Bettman also has not historically been that great at his job and uh, has really chased hockey off of national television over his time there, but. The, the, there are always a couple cool moments in the All-Star game, and they tend to happen organically. I think that the 
home run derby is more attractive as a marketing apparatus for major league baseball because they can take control of the narrative you know they set up the matchups they determine who's in it right they got story in it that's pretty good they got mancini in it they have a great storyline if he wins obviously otani being in is a big deal i think they would have really preferred vladimir guerrero jr to be in it but yeah i mean your your basic point is 100 correct which is it's just not like the all-star game is fine but the real attraction for this all-star break is going to be the home run derby for sure it is what one more quick note i want to ask you about and we're getting difference of opinion there are some people davis who think that well correa would be out now no matter what but correa altuve and ryan presley of houston all pulled out of the game because they don't want to be booed and they don't want the Astros to get the negative attention. There are others who feel that it, it just simply doesn't make a difference and it's legit. Uh, Presley, by the way, his wife's having a baby. So, I mean, come on, that's that's definitely legitimate. But uh, in terms of Altuve and Correa, you think that they are backing out of this thing, worried about PR? I don't, I don't think they're particularly worried because I think if the Astros players were really that worried at all about PR, we would have just seen them do something right we would have just seen the astros organization and the astros players behave in a different manner after cheating gate right like we like i i mean and again you would know more than i would but in terms of like the astros reaction as an organization and as individual players like i i don't really remember any big active contrition or ever feeling like it was addressed in a satisfactory way like i still don't really like the astros like i still feel that way like I don't really like you guys. I think you all cheat. And I think that 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 alone shows they don't really care. Yeah, they, they seem to be ambivalent with it and and just basically like, yeah, so what? It's over, you know, and that's it's the it's the take that definitely has a lot of people still not liking them. But I would tell you that with George Springer gone from Houston and with after this year carlos correa gone these guys are going to be sprinkled all over the league and so i i do think this is going away it may take another year or two all right the odds are up on FanDuel. who will win each first round matchup and davis and i are going to jump into this next also the first round of the major league baseball draft was yesterday i'll have my thoughts on that as well so stay on the grid this is fantasy sports today and we'll be back in two minutes SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Craig and Davis here on Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Tonight will be the Home Run Derby at Coors Field. And, of course, FanDuel is giving you the opportunity in the first round. You can actually bet this live, I believe, too, as you go on who will end up winning this thing, Davis. So live betting could be a lot of fun. But before we get into the matchups here, there are four. 
and all four favorites are pretty significant. Do you think that you could like blindly bet dogs in this thing? Like, I mean, I, I look at this and I say, like, how do I really know which player is going to hit more home runs than the other? Uh, I, I guess that the guys who have participated in the past, maybe I'd give a little edge to. Like, I'd be really hesitant to bet, let's say, like Salvador Perez over Pete Alonso, knowing Alonso's been in this thing and has won it. But beyond that, I, I have to feel like there's some value on the dogs here. I can't see all four of these favorites coming in. No, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. I, in fact, uh, I, I will just give this advice right now. If you're really just jonesing for some action and you're not trying to watch uh, the CONCACAF Gold Cup that is taking place right now, that's the last little bit of summer soccer we have, just blind bet all the dogs. Just bet, bet Soto, bet Perez, bet Story, and bet Mancini. Um, you know, if, if Perez wins or if Soto wins, you come close, like you can go one and three and, and not lose that much to the house. If you win two, you're golden. If you win three, you're really golden. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you're definitely correct because I don't, I don't really have a great understanding of how they set these lines. And obviously there is a little bit of market pressure. I don't imagine the FanDuel Sportsbook is letting you get a million dollars down on Juan Soto versus Otani. I think these lines are, they're kind of more for fun. You know, and I know that the uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook is running some promotions with these. So I, I do think you're right. It's uh, And this is actually the rare time where the plus EV advice is the same as the most fun thing, which is just betting all the underdogs. And then you're right. I, I would imagine that there will be more live betting opportunities, you know, in the middle of the event as well, which I will definitely be tuned into. Yeah, and, and, and when I look at it here, the one that sticks out of me, I know that you're not going to really like this, but the one that does stick out is Trevor Story being at home here. And and I, and I would tell you this. I was at the Home Run Derby in, I'm trying to, uh, what year it was, 2015, I believe, 2015. And, uh, Davis, if I'm not mistaken, it was Todd Frazier in the final against Jock Peterson. And Peterson was amazing in the home run derby, but there was no question that Frazier, who was in a Reds uniform in Cincinnati, I mean, the crowd was going crazy for this guy. And, and like, I, I mean, he, it just seemed like they were willing him to win it. It was a really good final, and Frazier was the hometown guy, and he won it. Now, let's also be honest here. You look at home run derby champions the last 10 years, you're not going to find a million of the home guys ended up winning. It didn't happen that way. I went to the one in Miami. They had Justin Bohr and Stanton in it. They didn't win it. Cespedes won a couple of times. He wasn't in his home park. But just in a one-scenario matchup, Story versus Gallo, I know Gallo is your guy, and, and, he, and he probably could hit it farther than anybody in this thing. I don't know. Story being a hometown guy, getting plus 140 does seem interesting to me. It does. It does seem pretty good, especially because, you know, we don't really have any concerns about story, you know, not knowing the environment like and, and he like story hits absolutely towering home runs. So, like I don't have any concerns about the power. And what you were just saying was actually interesting to me from like a psychological perspective, because something that a lot of guys say is they get tired doing this like that's why like what what was it josh hamilton hit like 24 22 in the yeah. first round or something and then he was like my, i was just beat like i just was too tired to keep cranking out home runs well what's going to get your adrenaline going the most so that you don't even realize how tired you are it's going to be forty thousand people screaming at you chanting your name wanting you to win like i i think there is a little bit of that extra juice there that maybe is not being fully calculated with story so i i kind of like that 
Yeah, and, and I was there at that Hamilton one too. That was something else to see for sure. It was it was the best performance that I had ever seen in, in a home run derby, no doubt. Uh, all right, so uh, those are the betting options for tonight. If you want to go over to FanDuel, you certainly uh, can check that out. Now, the dynamic of the, the future of fantasy baseball is very much in the players that were drafted yesterday. But the interesting part about the draft, Davis, before we get into this, the one thing that I want to be clear on, and I think everything everybody understands this, is that the NBA draft and the NFL draft are producing immediate results in fantasy. And so, therefore, there's a very big reason why those do phenomenal in terms of ratings and interest. It's because, look, you're going to see those players the following year. And in addition to that, a lot of the players played in college, and you saw them play on television or in person. Baseball, Davis, is trying to build this up a little bit more. And I will give them credit. I thought the event was really good on television last night. And Davis, the other part of this that we are seeing is over the last few years, it's like one year in the minors and to the majors. And that never used to be the case. Even in college, you had to wait three, four years before you got to the big leagues. But those days are done. So I'm guessing there will be some people we'll talk about here that will be in the big leagues. But I don't think baseball's draft will ever come close to what uh, the NFL's is, and certainly the NBA, although the NBA draft actually has dropped off quite a bit in the second round. Uh, but the first round of the NBA draft is going to always, I think, trump these guys because you get to see those players play. Yeah, and and the, I mean, the other key part of this is college baseball is not popular. Like, even, even the College Baseball World Series, what, we mentioned the final game on this show, but it's not like we were breaking it down. It's not, you know, in-game in live was not uh, was not breaking down the college baseball world series but you know i was on in game live during the college football playoff and it was huge and people were really engaged in it people care more about you know march madness is massive um so so those those dra- the nba draft and the nfl draft in particular also isn't the timing of the MLB draft bad? Like, isn't it bad that they do it in the middle of the season for attention? Like, if you gave the fans the offseason to learn about the players, to, you know, get real opinions and to be like, oh, I really want the Royals to take this guy. I really want the Pirates to take this guy. I really want my Marlins to take this guy. Like, I feel like the timing of it more than anything actually like hurts fan engagement too because you don't give people enough time to like chew on the fat of what the players are. Yeah, no, that, that definitely could be a factor as well. Maybe they'll consider changing it. But this is the first time it's ever been held at the All-Star Game. And it used to be in June. Now it's July. We'll see what they choose to do next year. They gave basically everybody an extra month to scout because they hadn't seen players in a long time. Uh, one of the important picks, maybe the most important pick over the last few years for the Pittsburgh Pirates is definitely their first-round pick. They went with a catcher in the first round, and it came as a little bit of a surprise. They took Henry Davis. And uh, Ben Cherryton, their general manager, talked about making that selection. I think with Henry, what he was able to do, despite the missed year last year, um, getting off to the start he did, and then coming back in with the performance he had this year, and then just the the, the overall continued improvement. Um, obviously, we dig deep on this stuff. You can look at his performance against the better pitching, against better velocity. Um, it held up really well, no matter how, how you slice it up. So, uh, you know, felt good about that. But no, no, there was no particular intention to go in and pick out of any any you know specific demographic. And some people, Davis, thought that uh, Jack Leiter would have been the first pick overall. There's another kid that we'll talk about here, Marcelo Meyer. I- I'm not going to pretend 
that I knew everybody in the draft and that I've seen everybody in the draft. But we do this once. We probably won't talk about these kids for a while. But here are the uh, top five picks from yesterday's draft. So for those of you who are playing in super deep dynasty leagues, perhaps this is important to you. After uh, Henry Davis went to the Pirates, Jack Leiter from Vanderbilt went to the Texas Rangers. Jackson Job, high school pitcher, went to the Tigers. Marcelo Mayer went to the Red Sox. He's a high school player. Not going to see him for a while. And then uh, Colton Kouser, outfielder from San Houston State, went to the Orioles. A couple of notes here, just so people understand this a little bit. Uh, there were a lot of players in the top 10 who were taken that uh, teams want to save some money for later players in the draft. So essentially yeah. the way that it happens is an example, Baltimore calls this kid Colton Kouser and says, congratulations, we're going to pick you fifth overall. You probably wouldn't have went until 25. We pick you here. You're now a, a you know fifth overall pick but we're going to pay you uh, less than the fifth pick to come to us, but you still get to hold on to the fact that you were the fifth pick overall. And they say, yes, Davis, this happens a lot. Signability is a huge part of the draft. There's some people who thought that maybe Jack Leiter didn't want to pitch for Pittsburgh. I don't know. I mean, that could, that could have been the case too. They could have informed them, Hey, we're, you know, we're, we're going to hold out for more money. That definitely is something that happens throughout, but Usually a catcher is not going to be somebody in fantasy, Davis, for the long term, but we have seen now two catchers taken first overall in the last three years. So isn't that isn't that bad though? I was reading I was reading a little bit, um, you know, because I wanted to be I wanted to be prepared and ready for this segment. And if I, you know, understand drafting for baseball correctly, drafting a catcher is a little bit like drafting maybe like a, like a running back or, or, you know, actually probably the better comparison is like drafting like a, a box safety, like a strong safety. You, you'd love to have a good one. It's really nice to have a good one, but the hit rates on that position are kind of low. And because catchers very rarely are going to give you 700 at bats or whatever in the major leagues. And so many of them don't hit to begin with. Like, isn't it, isn't it just strange for catchers to go this high in, in drafts? Well, again, two of the last three years it's happened, but I, I think it's more along the lines of getting a, a catching depth that depends on where you're at and as, as an organization. And maybe the Pirates just felt that beyond the big league level, they had none. So I really can't answer that. But I can also tell you that two other catchers went in the first round as well. And and the hit rate, by the way, as you mentioned, that's accurate. But the hit rate is really the failure is in the high school catcher. The high school catcher that's taken early. If you want to go back and look at history, it is a struggle to get those guys to the big leagues. But of all of these names, Jack Leiter is the one that everybody knows, and he's on the Texas Rangers, and he's going to end up being in the big leagues in a couple of years, maybe sooner, maybe next year. You never know. Um, here are here are some other notable picks from the draft. Uh, Jordan Lawler went sixth to the Diamondbacks. He's a high school player. Kumar Rocker slid to the Mets. He pitched at Vanderbilt last year. Will Bednar went to the Giants. Jordan Wicks went to Kansas City, and Ty Madden, uh, most people feel, was the big slipper in the draft, and he went to the Tigers. Uh, Khalil Watson was also a high school player that uh, was, was uh, Davis, the way that it worked with him was that he was supposed to be a top five pick in the draft. His name is Khalil Watson, high school player. But what happens is, is that right before they pick you, Davis, they call you, and then they find out how much money you want. And when they find out it's too much, you don't get picked. And you just keep sliding and sliding and sliding and sliding. And then it gets to the point where eventually somebody takes you. And then Miami ended up doing that. And so I think Miami's going to end up signing him. But this is just different than the way the other drafts work. It's all about signability. 
Yeah, and I know I know that the um, that the Kansas City Royals guy, uh, Frank Mazzucato, he was a signability guy. He was not mocked there. I think he was 54th overall on Keith Law's prospect board. The Royals do this all the time. Like the Royals, pretty much every time they do it is they just want a guy they can sign, um, which is, you know, I guess I don't blame them given their financial position. But uh, yeah, the signability thing, and that's another thing that makes it foreign for fans is fans don't want to think about signability. They want the shiny right. new toy. Yeah, and, and that's something that's going to be really hard to explain to people, which is why we only spent 10 minutes on the show here today and not an hour. Uh, but coming up next, we will recap what happened yesterday again in the Euro Cup. We'll look forward to the British Open coming up this weekend. And then at the top of the hour, we have Chris with the update. So stay on the grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Davis Maddock, Craig Mish, every day, noon to 2 Eastern, right here on SportsGrid.com. Stay with us. We're back in two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Today, of course, coming up this weekend, and as we get closer to the weekend, we got the British Open, another big tournament happening. Davis, what's uh, what? How you feeling going into this uh, British Open this week? Well, I am um, feeling great because I love the British Open. Uh, it's basically my my favorite golf tournament that is played every year. Love links golf the the field is as strong as it's going to get we have a couple guys who have had to withdraw you know some of them just don't want to make the trip some of them don't want to deal with the health and safety protocols they're running a very tight ship over there we have john rom is an absolutely gigantic favorite overseas mm-hmm. there at uh, at the saint george's where they're playing he is listed on the FanDuel sportsbook at plus 800 to win the event everyone else is 16 to 1 or deeper some great numbers out there like Bryson at 25 to one, you know, just there, there are going to be a lot of interesting numbers to bet. Going to be a lot of interesting salaries on FanDuel for, of course, PGA DFS that we are going to be playing at the open championship. We will definitely have uh, a couple discussions about the open championship this week uh, as you know, on the show, as we always do, but I, I am very excited for it. They're playing it at the Royal St. George's course. They have not played there in quite a while, I believe since 2011. So anytime that it's a course that uh, we aren't super, Super familiar with I, I always find that to be fascinating to break down from a betting angle but I I guarantee it's going to make for great TV all right well coming up this week that's what we'll have for you and of course British Open uh, one of the big majors on the uh, PGA Tour every single year and arguably the most popular every single year too so we'll have that for you coming up later in the week but up next we have Chris with the update so let me set you up for the second hour of our show we've got our headlines coming up at the top of the hour our 
uh, daily Aaron Rodgers, what's next for him segment is coming. I'm sorry to do it to you. We'll do it again. We have our take them or leave them segment where uh, Davis is going to weigh in on some of these early drafts in terms of fantasy football. As a matter of fact, I am involved right now in a dynasty league draft. What am I talking about? We can talk about that on the show as well. We'll have that coming back for you. I've made a couple of rookie picks in my dynasty draft. Yes, me, the person who hates drafting at this time, had to do it. No choice. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today after the update. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.